This is the Right Way Podcast. Right Way Podcast. The 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 Right Way Podcast. Good afternoon to everyone out there in the digital land that is listening, tuning in to this particular episode of the Right Way Podcast program with me, your host, Samuel Elliott, uh, coming back hot off the trail of completing the year in review. Uh, yep which I'm hoping you guys caught recently. I have just had the incredible good fortune of speaking to a up and coming filmmaker about her directorial debut, Dasha Nekrasova. Dasha Nekrasova, you might know from her hugely popular podcast show that she co-hosts called Red Scare, Uh, but she's been involved in several other film projects. She's also perhaps best known for her work on the, again, hugely, insanely popular series, uh, Succession. Me and Dasha, uh, speaking to her from the old New York City, spoke about her directorial debut, which is The Scary of 61st. The Scary of 61st is a fusion of a real-life case of disgraced uh, billionaire financier mogul Jeffrey Epstein and uh, seemingly real-life people living, uh, orbiting within the the world still reeling from this uh, infamous kind of uh, destined to be forevermore infamous case of Jeffrey Epstein, his uh, subsequent supposed suicide, but I don't believe that's suicide. I don't think Dasha does either. Anyway... It's about two friends that move into an apartment, which is then found to be, uh, I think, I I forget the exact terminology that's used to describe the place, but I think it's Jeffrey Jeffrey Epstein's orgy or flop pad, orgy house. Uh, And then based upon that, they both kind of go different trajectories of different sort of uh, equally sort of uh, sorted rabbit holes. Uh, One kind of uh, obsessed with the Jeffrey Epstein sort of conspiracy theories that have been circulating. I dare say you've heard the vast majority of them, along with the other who kind of um, has her own sort of uh, twisted journey of self-discovery as well. So very, very, very much Jarlo inspired. It's impossible not to kind of see all the the loving homages and references and influences uh, throughout Dush's uh, The Scary of 61st. So with that in mind, everyone please give a huge big digital round of applause to Dasha Nekrasova talking to me about her directorial debut, The Scary of 61st. All right, Dasha, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining me on the Right Way podcast program, presumably from America. Yes, from New York City. Awesome, awesome. Place to be, place to be. Where I wanted to start it, a uh, question that immediately jumped out to me is, what was the origins of Scary of the 61st? Because when I think of Jeffrey Epstein or when I think of a movie about Jeffrey Epstein, this is not the movie that I would think would be committed with the, the lovely horror sort of a wild ride, the fusion of the Jarlo, the 70s sort of inspired horror. Tell me about how that came from your mind, Dasha, and what ultimately it eventuated to. Um... To me, it seemed appropriate because the episode was so scary. Um, And when me and my writing partner, Madeline Quinn, um, started working on it, we sort of knew we wanted to tell. I mean, with making indie movies often, if you can secure a location, you'll really like limit the cost of making a film, right? So we knew we wanted to have kind of like an apartment set thriller that had a particular kind of ontology that was related to Jeffrey Epstein, who we were both really obsessed with um, and had done a lot of like work and research on prior and like investigating. 
Um, and, you know, rather than channeling that energy into like pursuing earthly justice, mm. we decided to make a film. Um, and I'm a big fan of genre cinema. So that's always probably kind of would have been the movie I would have made. You know, it just felt like it made the most sense. Interesting. What do you think it is about the the Jeffrey Epstein case that kind of uh, has engaged or intrigued so many people and probably will continue to, it almost lends itself to this sort of urban, urban sort of myth kind of thing. I felt even the name of the movie, I thought kind of was like hearkening to this sort of uh, urban legend status of, of Jeffrey Epstein. What do you reckon it's about Dasha that kind of lends itself to that? Um, well, I reckon that when he was uh, murdered, mm. it, laid bare for a lot of people the high level corruption um amongst the ruling class the elites you know whatever you want to call them um because obviously he was a very well connected person in addition to being a, a pedophile and a human trafficker um and i think i know a lot of people who were really obsessed with it and you know epstein didn't kill himself became a meme because I think it really was a pithy way of um, referring to that, to like that we all had an understanding that Epstein was, was murdered because it was advantageous to people in power to keep him from going to trial because they would have been implicated in a human trafficking ring in addition to, you know, lots of other high level corruption. So uh, yeah. Mm. What about the locations themselves? Because is that um, it's it shows it early on that sort of loft that are uh, complete with the engravings and the initials JE, the monogram. Is that is that still standing? Is that Epstein's place? Is that still there? I'm not kind of familiar with the sort course, of area. Yeah. It just sold well below market value, mm. um, but it's you know it's a very, it's a massive. I think it's the largest value. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's um or it was at the time. It was at the time, like the largest townhouse or something in Manhattan. It's massive, you know, they can't they're not they'll never tear it down. They took the JD off of the spot okay. yeah. after he was shortly after he died, like long before it was sold. Um and so I had it fabricated and put back up to shoot that sequence. Um yeah. Was was this shot during um COVID? Like the outbreak? Was this was this some kind of it was not. It was shot right before in January. Okay, because I was wondering, because there was like a lot of empty streets and I was wondering if you were trying to utilise like wandering around at night time when maybe there wouldn't have been so many people if the city was sort of in lockdown. It hadn't been locked down, uh, but it was very cold because it was January, so there wasn't a lot of people out in general. Dasha, do you think that you would have been able to make the movie anywhere else? It seems like a very uniquely sort of New York story and you kind of had to be in these locations that Epstein kind of haunted figuratively then as well as uh, kind of maybe literally within your movie. What do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the townhouse was a crucial location, as was the prison. Those were all in the original script. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it takes place in New York. That's where Jeffrey Epstein was from. That's where he did you know, a lot of his business dealings, he was very involved in real estate. All of these places are charged with, you know, the aura of him. Hmm. And so that was, yeah, the idea. What about the, 
undertaking this as your kind of like feature directorial debut because it's not it's not a, a easy transition I would say particularly with the subject matter what um was there any sort of apprehension or concerns from the from the get-go or did you kind of just go I'm just going to make the film that I want to and see how how the consuming public sort of react after that yeah I don't think I've had the luxury of being really precious mm. um and we were lucky to find the producers and financiers that we did and I think that that had to do with it being genre because there's this you know vague understanding that genre films are sort of good investments, you know, because they can be made mm. cheaply and end up being lucrative, particularly if they're controversial. Um, so, yeah, I just didn't have a lot of time for apprehension because we started scripting in September and shot the movie in January. So it was like a very, that is a very short amount of time in which to make a film. Um, so I was really freaked out, definitely, and anxious. Um, and but I sublimated kind of all of that into into the movie, which comes mm. across. I think. It does. What about you've mentioned genre films a couple of times, and the thing I guess I kind of like about them, and I wonder if you did too, is it kind of enables you to have a social commentary or kind of delve into some themes that you might it might be clunkier or it might be judged more. I don't know. Uh, if you were to present it as more of a straight-laced sort of drama and kind of tackle the same sort of themes, what do you reckon? What is, it, what is it about genre films and horror films that can kind of lend itself to that sort of ease of access? Exactly, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mm. think something to do with the audience maybe that you're pandering to or like there's just conventions that you can engage with that people take um, people take things more at face level with horror movies. There's more of a given that you're understanding that you're watching a horror movie, you're watching something meant to provoke you, meant to scare you. Um, so in that way, you're sort of insulated from like, you know, being maligned as a provocateur or what have you, if you're like, you know, um, I don't know, like Lars von Trier, you know, doesn't make genre films, though his movies are horrifying. And like he is commonly accepted as like being a like working provocateur, you know. Um, so yeah, just in genre. I mean, I see Julia DeCorno do this, you know, as well. Like I think that's why, um, you know, Tatane and Raw and stuff. She's also working in this genre space, and she's dealing with these things that would be maybe too controversial to deal with in another way. Do you think that these films? because you mentioned about how you accept that you're watching a horror film you kind of um therefore sort of don't judge in a particular sphere do you think that that sort of is increasing there's more of a emergence or sort of pervasiveness and entitling people to be able to make horror films and then kind of tackle social themes or in this case a particular real life person and all the sort of uh horrific pedophilia attached to that do you think that that sort of um the genre enables that or it's becoming more popular in that regard i think it's becoming more popular in certain ways but that's always been mm. you know a way of doing i mean look at like john carpenter and something like they live you know it's like horror is always a great way to tell to tell something about society even if you don't mean to mm. um but there is yeah now i guess post maybe get out or something and like in the a24 space there's definitely um 
more of this like social justice style mm. for film emerging and that the genre accommodates it because it is a good space to tell those sorts of stories. Yeah, I think that it kind of, for me, it seems like horror is is accepted, like you mentioned, horror is accepted as a genre, so it enables you to kind of um, tackle or depict issues that otherwise would, in any other sort of genre, might be questioned more. But, um, Dasha, you mentioned, sorry, you mentioned about how quick you started working on it, so it didn't really, like, allow itself to, at any time, to have any sort of uh, fermenting apprehension, which which is good, I'm glad. What was the, some of the, maybe some of the greatest challenges that you kind of prevailed over to, to make this sort of directorial debut? Because like I said, I think that's a pretty wild one to get stuck straight into. You've, you've dived in the, you, have, you haven't gone into the kid's pool, you've dived straight into the deep end. And I want to know what sort of challenges you reckon that you face or what stands out to you. It was hard to convince people to shoot on 16 because it is more expensive. Yeah. And- some people in the film industry are, you know, under the, you know, have the misconception that you can shoot something digitally and put a filter on it that makes it look like it was shot on film, which I don't think is the case. And, you know, further, I also believe in the like alchemy of working on film. I think it changes everything, every aspect of filmmaking beyond just aesthetics. Um, and that was, you know, a hard sell for some investors that ended up not, you know, giving us money. Mm. Um, but it was one that I really insisted on and was glad that I did. Well, I'm glad that you did. I'm glad that you brought it all together. I'm glad you took the plunge. And I'm glad that I've had the opportunity to speak to you today, Dash. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Sam. Enjoy. Thank you so much. Very nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. So everyone, there you have it. That was me talking to Dasha Nekrasova about her directorial debut, The Scary of 61st. Uh, I believe that's going to be dropping at the cinemas shortly. I did get an email from the uh, Fantastic Film Fest, uh, which is hosted largely at the Ritz Cinema. Um, They have had some absolutely delightfully macabre and utterly fucking strange movies that I've seen this year, including The Old Man, which was one of the best movies I saw this year by far, an Estonian stop-motion film, which was just off the planet, but um, anyway, I digress. So yes, I do believe that The Scary of 61st is dropping nationwide in the coming week or weeks. Uh, Do stay tuned for that. Keep abreast of all your local cinematoriums to find out session times and such. Uh, I will uh, include in the links to this particular episode the official site for this for the scary of 61st so you'll be able to check that out as well maybe learn a little bit more about about the uh the film that uh, you are destined to see uh again huge thanks to dasha nekrasova for talking to me all the way from new york uh brief interview though it was it was an absolute pleasure talking to her about her work uh it's an absolute pleasure to continue doing interviews as i am for you and for your listening pleasure so thank you very much to you all for your uh undying patronage of the right way podcast and all the other episodes thus far that have been garnered there ever proliferating as we like to call it do check them out if you haven't already give a cheeky follow on spotify if you haven't already as well i'm pretty much i know i keep saying this it's like i keep going on a farewell tour but uh, i pretty much am wrapped up for the year now with guests i believe there might be one more i'm not 100 percent sure as yet but you'll have to keep uh, keep abreast and keep in tune with all my social media feeds of the my respective author page as well as the uh, right way podcast page there on insta to find out 
of any developments but in the interim if i don't speak to you if you don't hear from me if i don't record another episode in 2021 please everyone have a lovely very well deserved uh break christmas holidays new year's break stay safe may 2022 be your year and again thank you for listening to this episode and all others